Oh yeah! I fucking remember the 21st night of September. Let's go! It's another episode of the Price Cast! Coming at you live from my computer desk, sitting in front of a couple of speakers playing the music into my shitty phone microphone. I got my peanut butter pretzels, I got my water, and I got The Bryce cast begins right now. Hey, oh my God, Gollum Khan! Is this Gollum Khan? The one and only, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! I am legally required to tell you that yes, you are being recorded right now for a podcast. Golub, the NSA is always listening. They already know the crimes. That is true. That is true. I always on would you tell the audience of the, the most important person in my life right now and also all of my friends who went and searched BriceCast on Spotify for some random reason, where you are right now? What is going on right now? Um, I I am at home right now, and I am thinking about you, and I am thinking about Kenna, and I'm kind of not thinking about working at 6 p.m. But that's what's happening, and Claudia's calling me all of a sudden. Did you just talk to Claudia? I did just talk to Claudia. Oh, my God. Claudia's literally calling you. Should I connect this into a group chat situation? Maybe uh, not. Maybe no, I just, we, like, we just had an amazing talk with Claudia. We don't need more Claudia. Okay. We love her, but we don't need more Perfect. right now. We need Golub. <laughs> I still need her. <laughs> I literally just got your number. This is all coming together very quickly. I have one episode out right now. Okay, okay. He's going to get it. This is how it's going to work out, all right? And he knows it already happened, right? So we're describing excuse okay. me, we're describing the future. Babe, I can see the future, so listen to me is what I'm trying to say. He's going to get in the car. He's going to be – I know it all. He's going to get in the car. He's going to be like, babe, where's the surprise that you keep telling me about? And I'm going to be like, hey – Search Bryce Cast on Spotify. And he's going to be like, what? And he's going to open it up. And it's going to be, it's already there. It's already there. It's on Spotify. And I'm going to drop like one episode every day that he's going. Because you got to pace oh yourself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That is crazy. Oh, I love this. That's so creative and impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I am a fan. I am 
Thank you. Thank you so much. But now, Golub, I gotta put you on the spot for all of the like half dozen Bricecast listeners of Trans Plus Random Friends that look this up. What do you have to tell our worldwide audience? Um, oh my god, that is definitely putting me on the spot. Yeah, um, the worldwide audience, if anyone ever listens, I am the child of divine god. Golub, it's literally just be interesting, and you're already an A plus student. You're doing fantastic. This test, you are flying with, you are passing the flying colors right now. Oh my God, it's all because of you. You're doing, you're keeping me going. It's very, like, really nicely. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But you know, um, yeah, no, I, there's life is good. We're in Seattle. The weather's been great. Um, you know, Charles Divine God's living his life, mm-hmm. not moving to Seattle, and Dude. not moving to Chicago, like some people who suck. Suck. Boo, stinky. We hate them. Oh, my God. The worst. Exactly. Oh, my. Like, literally, two of them now. And I'm just like, I hate you now. Like, so much. I hate Chicago. We're not going to there. We're not going to, like, throw them up. We're going to be mean about it. Um, not about Chicago anymore. Our people. This is, you hear that? Our people. And that's, that's this is a racially diverse group of people saying that phrase, so that makes it okay. That is true. I'm glad you put that disclaimer out there. Oh my god, if you want to talk about my name, that means that, you know, Price, Carlos, and Golub, we are a very, very diverse group of folks. And Sandy. I guess Sandy could go both ways. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, I already had like a major slip up. I made like a fake ad for his mom because she's awesome and amazing and I love her. And I was like, um, at the end, you know, they, they're like selling the product and like, you can buy it at a store near you. And I'm like, you can buy Miss Martha. I'm like, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> can't, can't say that. Can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Golub, you and Tranos go way back, right? So you must have plenty of embarrassing stories that you could tell me that I've never heard of before and I can react to, react to live for this cast, right? Oh, my God. Making making this hard. I have terrible memory, by the way. I don't know if Tranos has ever mentioned that. Um, I am a goldfish. Uh, <laughs> or a goldfish god! Yeah. Um, all sunshine, but I have terrible memory. Um, but I definitely have had. And Travis has. Okay, I like officially have declared Travis a terrible cook at this point. <gasps> when he is actually a pretty good cook. Yeah! How but, dare you? He's very good. No, I know! He is a great cook, by the way. But I like tease him about this all the time because he loves to measure stuff. Um, <laughs> which actually is not a bad thing. He probably should. And the one time, because I kept telling him, don't stop measuring stuff, he decided to not measure something, and uh-huh. it was not edible at all. Ah! He was trying to make 
And then I tasted it. It tasted good. <laughs> and then I tasted it. It still tasted good. No. But then he added like three more pinches to it. <laughs> and it tasted horrible. No, babe. The accountant that can't they can't play oh, not by the rules. <laughs> exactly. He needed the exact position of like put half in there. No more and no less. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, I will! I will hear another one right now. You slap him on me. Oh, right. I'm trying to think of a funny one. I just keep thinking of all the like his birthdays and like just getting him drunk all the time. (laughs) I will. I will. I will also take like heartfelt. It doesn't have to be funny. You can also just be like. Tranos, it meant so much when you did X, Y, or Z. You know, we can do like a heartfelt thing about how much we love him as well, like as a lover and friend. You know, this, this podcast, whatever I publish it, I'm I'm gonna steal this because um I need to write. I've been telling Carlos that I'm gonna write his like wedding speech, <gasps> uh, not his wedding speech, my wedding speech for his wedding, because uh-huh. um, he better make let me do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to use these stories because I would be like, let me put this down because I forgot that XYZ story. What was that? Oh, you know, um, you know, you, oh wait, on your phone real quick, just uh, or on a computer, just go ahead and go to Spotify. Type in Bryce Cast. Okay, let me, let me do this. Let me do this. I want to hear the live reaction when you see, Spotify. when you see what I, um, what I put up there because it's pretty fucking stupid. It's pretty great. I'm a big fan. Uh, okay, I'm looking it up. I am also kind of why I are so different about this because I have I like rarely listen to music and Hannah is like the biggest music person. Yeah. So I cannot in my life ever put my Spotify in front of him because he will kill me. (laughs) 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 Wait, 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 wait! Why are you going to get murdered for putting your Spotify in front of him? Well, one, I don't care for Spotify, um, <laughs> which is like, oh my god, exactly, that's the reaction that I get all the time. Um, ooh, turn on this, there it is, Bryce Cast. Uh, no, that is not it, Good Tech Insider Podcast. No, there no. it is, Bryce Cast, Montana, ooh. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> Listenership of like two friends in Seattle, Tranos traveling to Chicago, and one friend whose device setting said that he was in the Netherlands. Worldwide! Worldwide! Oh my god, I love it. I love it. This is going everywhere. I will take this out to Pakistan. You know, we'll like, we'll share it across the world. We'll share it across the world. It'll get everywhere. Yes, perfect. Oh my god. You will, you will be, this will be like the, the, the next big thing. Now, call the back, 
back to the important topic at hand. Is there anything? No, no. All of this is great. All of this is great. Okay, you're doing Golub A plus plus. Back to the topic at hand. <laughs> what? Like, do you have anything that you want to share with Trano? Something like deep? That, how? How? Like, is there anything else that you would like to share with him as he drives across the fucking cornfield plains oh, of Iowa God. to keep him awake and not crash into the cows in a fiery death? Oh my God! Uh, oh, when he what the two days I will be crying in my room <gasps> in that corner when he drives away. Oh. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but honestly, like. Canada's has just been a huge part of my life the last part. I moved to Seattle and didn't know anyone. And Canada's came into my life and it was just like having sunshine returned. I know. Um, it is just, it's like the craziest thing of like, it's been five or six years. We've known each other for so long. And like, it, it, he's like the guy that I like can always turn to. I felt like, we could talk about anything. He like knows all my secrets. Yeah. So don't ever ask him about it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he knows like all my secrets. I feel like these lectures with a good, wonderful bond. Um, there's just like there's been so many moments where I just like I don't know. I feel like I would just know that he was there for me. Um, and like he was there to support me no matter what happened. And like. Even if I was like having a tough day or having any problems, like I could just talk to him about it. Um, mm-hmm. And he really, really helped me kind of get up, get through like a lot of like phases where I was just depressed, I was down, I was like going through a tough time. And he would just always be there of like, hey, like, you know, let's hang out, let's like chat. Mm-hmm. And like, he knew what to do somehow. It wasn't like, because sometimes I'm like, I'm not the most talkative person, even though I keep talking on this podcast. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's like, he was just, no, he'd be like, for me to feel like I could share my things with him, mm-hmm. um, which was like huge for me. Um, so honestly, he's like the best, best person I know. I don't know what I'll do without him. I will be very depressed the next few months. Um, so it will be, it's going to be a rough time. It's going to be a rough patch um, for sure. So ugh, ugh. I don't want to think about it. I, I'm going to end up crying tonight now. You're welcome. You're welcome. What can I say? I make people cry. Oh my god! <laughs> well, thank you, thank thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that he's he's feeling all warm and fuzzy right now. Um, that was that was wonderful. Yes. Thank you. He better be. This is my sunshine coming through, Hannah. You're getting warm and fuzzy in the middle of freaking cold. Where are you supposed to be right now, Idaho? Dude, I don't know. I I have the I have the project open. I'm looking at it. So like. I have day one is set, okay, because I already I already yeah. released that, right? And I was yeah, like, I was gonna say he's gonna be in freaking cold Montana, and I was like, no, that's already done. Yeah, I don't know how cold that'll be. I I could I could maybe put you on on day two. We'll see how much content I get, right? Like I'm calling everyone and yeah. I'm seeing what they gotta say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you you'll you'll be in there. You will definitely be in there. So he'll be somewhere yeah. past Montana okay. at that point. Okay, wherever he is in the middle of freaking nowhere, because he decided to leave. 
Idiot. Oh, I hate you, Kratos. <laughs> 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 give you a fucking big hug. Oh my god. Just thank you. As soon as Travis is gone, we're like gonna be best friends, right? Right? Like oh, yeah. okay, that's a deal. Yeah. We're we're, we're hanging up all the time. I might not be fine. No, no, no. You uh, do you like board games? Do you like Catan? You're you're gonna love Catan. Oh my, oh my god. Yeah, I have not played Catan in like six six years. Let's go Let's go Let's do it. You're getting squeezed out, babe. Olive's my new best friend. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm imminently dateable and very cute, aren't I? And, and Tranos is very lucky to have me. Say those words. Tranos is definitely very lucky to have Yeah, yeah, perfect. Oh my God. Tranos will literally drive back and murder me. Okay, great. The, the check is in the mail, okay? It'll be at your door, like, tomorrow. Check's in the mail. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is what we were texting about before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. Yes, yes. Golub Khan, thank you so much for being on um, this this episode. Now, I have one final question for you. Um who who is this podcast's sponsor? Who does who does Tranos just love? You know he loves ads because I don't know he has brain disease or something. But who is oh, who, <laughs> who is today's sponsor of this ad? And I'm gonna go make an I, ad I, for I them. Yes. Oh my god. I hope his mom never listens to this. <laughs> yes. Do it. Do um, it. The, the sponsor. The sponsor for this uh, podcast is Tranos's uh, mom. Uh, bachelor Paradise. Excuse me. He's our bachelor. Bachelor. I can't remember any of the things. Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Shit. Okay. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm so sorry, but I've already made. I've already made the ad for her. His mom. And I made oh, an ad. I made an yeah. ad for Love Island, and they're both stellar. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I love that. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Into it, it's incomprehensible. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just hot people. my boyfriend are you in such <laughs> no he hates it you're totally right <laughs> well Gollum Khan thank you so much for your time today you've been an excellent guest easily like top five so you've been stellar and, <laughs> and thank you you are a wonderful host 
Oh, what can I say? I'm imminently dateable, and he's lucky to have me, right? <laughs> oh, fuck me. This is too much fun. <laughs> you know how to work the system. Ladies and gentlemen, call him Khan! Those shitty ass streets, they keep drinking this this weak ass fucking beer. What is that? Bunch of bunch of weak ass uh garbage that people like to eat and drink for some reason. Like beer. It's just like it's fermentation. Like it's just it's just you put yeast into garbage and then it turns into something that makes your head all fun. And like what what's with that? Like you know what's better? You know what's way better? Is good old potato. Good old rotten potato. And uh, rotten apple with the sugar, and it's just, and that's why today's sponsor is fruity sweet alcohol that's not gross like IPAs. What the fuck is an IPA? Like IPA is literally just it's rotten pale ales. Like that's what it is, and I don't understand it. I don't understand IPAs at all. Like that's just so bad. So ciders, ciders. And, oh my god, Gay Bar Pours. Gay Bar Pours, also, par- this this episode sponsor, Gay Bar Pours. Gay Bar Pours sponsored this, and Sweet Wines, and Ciders. Because, um, they taste great, and my babe loves them, and I love them. They're super awesome. I Although, I, I prefer, like, a little bit of a drier cider and a drier wine. Like, you know, the type that, like, the matriarch... Like, the 50-year-old matriarch of a family. 55. 55-year-old matriarch who looks like um, looks like an old frog. You know, like, that skin, that old frog skin that you get on those those types of women. They're just, like, the Karen haircut. Definitely, like, ha- a half Karen. A half Karen. That's me, right? That's, that's the type of drink I like. It's just, like, oh, yeah, give that to me, and I'm going to judge you. I'm just going to, like, sit back and judge you. That's the drink I like, even though I don't like doing all that. Like, but, but the drink... So anyway, alcohol, this week's sponsor, thank you for being a social lubricant. You know, the second best kind of lubricant. Yeah! Woo! Fuck beer. Fuck beer. Beer sucks. Oh, and tequila and, and vodka. I love both of those. Although I know you don't, I know you don't like, uh, God, shit. Is it vodka or tequila? I can't remember. Is it vodka or tequila, babe? Woo! Yay! Uh, welcome to the... History <clears throat> section of the Bryce cast. This is the section where I sit on my couch and I talk about something crazy from history. Um, and I think today's topic is going to be a little old guy named Robert Moses. Now, uh, Robert Moses, if you uh, haven't heard the name, is uh, a guy who basically climbed the ranks of... New York City and New York State politics and ended up actually creating the broad design language of how American cities are made. Uh, And if you were guessing that this is me rambling about cars, you are 100% correct. This is totally what that is. But I didn't want this to be shit that you already knew, right? I don't want to bore you with the shit we already talk about. This has got to be fresh stuff. So we're going to talk about the guy, the dude, the man, Robert Moses, um, and his his lasting impact, um, which we have talked about previously. But uh, 
that's that's what I want to talk about. So who who is Robert Moses? Well, he was a rich white guy. Uh, born into a rich white family, um, as many of the world's and history's worst people are. Um, and I believe he was born into suburban Connecticut and eventually made his way into New York. And his family was Jewish. And um, at the time, a lot of Jews were coming from Eastern Europe. And because of racism, Robert Moses understood that, uh, you know, racism is, you know, like kind of bad when it's against Jewish people, which is hilarious because he did not extend that lesson to anyone else. Um, so his family was sort of, you know, the upper crust, old Jewish, rich aristocracy and new poor Jews were coming in primarily from Poland, Germany. This is sort of the, the very late 1890s into the early, like beginning of the century. Right. Um, so obviously it's not good to be a Jew right now. The czar is doing his pogroms and, um, the Nazis are getting a little crazy and then the Germans are starting to get a little uppity and, uh, Jews are sort of coming into New York and hitting the Eastern coast of America. And there's cultural backlash, um, against immigrants because, uh, you know, there are, and Jews are seen as not white and the old wealthy Jews are like, oh shit, all these poor Jews are going to make us look bad. And, um, at the time places like Harvard and Yale and other fancy schools actually had Jew quotas. Um, and those were actually in place until about the 1970s, uh, might have been the 60s, might have been the 70s, I forget the exact date, but uh, there was a quota on the amount of Jews, Jew, the, the Jewry that could enter into these places, um, much like there were quotas on uh, blacks and Latinos and Asians, um, and uh, Robert Moses was a Jew, and his family was responsible. They sort of looked around and being this aristocracy, they're like, yo, damn, all these other Heidi whiteies are going to get all pissed off at the jewelry and we don't want to be caught up in that. So let's, uh, and, and at the time, of course, these are very poor Jews coming into the Americas. So, you know, they've been exposed to a lot of left-wing thinking about what to do with very, very rich people. And so <laughs> his family becomes responsible for uh, basically like the most patriarch or oh, uh, patronizing, that's the word, patronizing handouts. Uh, so really doing a lot of like, oh, you poor, poor Jew, come here with me, rich Jew. And you and I, I'll, I'll give you like, you know, a, a little tenement building and like everything will be fine. So he, he kind of learns the art of like the worst type of patronizing where you're not you're not really helping at all you're just being a dick you're really trying to look good from it uh, now Robert Moses uh, graduates I think from Harvard and there's this hilarious quote where the the dean or something of Harvard is like he got as far as a Jew could <laughs> <laughs> which I think is hilarious, uh, which is to say that he wasn't seen as a person, but ended up uh, actually, you know, uh, advancing from the, the slow turning of American ideology towards uh, at least the quote unquote Jewish race at that point in time and started climbing the ladder. And he got his first uh, city job, I believe, at the age of like 25 or something. Um, and he was working in the parks department. And uh, Robert Moses uh, slowly started accruing power, both through the incredible amount of wealth that his family had had uh, from previous endeavors and from just sort of being like a likable guy. Um, and as he climbed up the ladder and slowly became more and more popular, Robert Moses 
um, started to exercise that power. And it was very interesting. As the parks department, this this was a time where like there was no such thing as a parks department, right? Like uh, there was no central organization. The democratic machine of New York um, was in full force. So it was a very like everyone's mobbed up. Everyone has like tithings that you have to give to someone else in order to get anywhere. Um, and Robert Moses is sort of coming in to this like very bifurcated, uh, fragmented section where like a lot of parks are like weirdly private, where it's just some rich person that has some land that they let like pub the public walk on and experience. Um, there's like you know no real organization, and he starts at the city level to um, bring these parks together and have the New York City like buy out the parks create a centralized parks department and start planning out the parks. Um, and he becomes very popular at this because, you know, like everyone likes parks. Everyone likes leaving the very dirty New York City and going to these parks that exist around and in New York City. So he's, he's very popular for doing this. And a lot of his, his uh, benefactors and a lot of his people is, uh, what's the word, his fans. Oh my God, it's a fan. A lot of his fans are uh, very pleased bringing up the fact that, you know, he created some pretty incredible parks during this time all across the, the five boroughs of, Man of New York. Um, now, all this work gets noticed, and he actually gets tapped to be the New York State Parks Department, like, manager, basically. Like, the guy who's overseeing the newly founded New York State Parks Department. Um, and so he starts creating new parks left and right, carving out um, still virgin land at that point um, so that it can never be developed. But he had some lasting impressions. See, as the Parks Department, uh, everyone liked him. And because everyone liked him, it meant that he could really get his way. One of the things that Robert Moses hated was the subways. He hated trains because trains had poor people on them. And a terrible irony of all of this is that Robert Moses, although he drove everywhere, did not have a driver's license because he got chauffeured everywhere. He had a private car with a fucking private driver who would drive him all over the place. And Robert Moses thought that the automobile was going to be the future of everything. And of course he liked driving, right? Like this fucking rich ass white guy is getting chauffeured around by some driver he doesn't have to find a place to park. He gets out at the front of the building. Then when he wants to leave, he calls the driver. Driver picks him up, drives him back to his place, right? He, he's, like, he's way up there. So he doesn't know what it's like to have to, like, you know, not be able to afford a car. He doesn't know what it's like to, like, you know, pack into a subway. He thinks that subways are awful and they're filled with poor people. And so what he starts doing is he starts bulldozing massive fucking sections of New York to build these new fancy freeways. And more often than not, he starts bulldozing basically the boundaries between the white and black or white and Latino or white and Asian communities, basically using infrastructure, these large freeways as walls that could be cut in between neighborhoods in order to basically keep black people out. One of the parks that he created, and I forget the name of it, but it's it's sort of out 
outside of New York by a bit. Um, he created, but uh, did not allow anyone else to create any trains that would get to the area. And importantly, as buses started hitting the scene, the park that he created, he put the bridges and the overpasses on like the parkway and the main streets that would get to the new park he created as too low to allow city buses to go under which is truly amazing. It, it, it completely made it so that only people who had the ability to drive would be able to get to the park. And that meant, of course, wealthy, rich white people. So previously, before Robert Moses came into, into effect, um, the subway would actually be extended out before the city. I don't know if you ever saw the, the picture of a subway station that was built in an empty farm field in Shanghai. Um, it went around the, the internet for a while because the, the Chinese were extending the Shanghai subway so far out that it was actually uh, happening before the rate of expansion of the city. So they would build the, the subway and then the city would fill in behind it so that it could be adapted around the subway because, you know, it's way cheaper to build that kind of infrastructure first. That was how New York was built. A fucking car alarm. Oh, okay, it's gone. Thanks. So... The subway would be built first, and then the street grid and the buildings would be built after it because it's really hard to put in infrastructure after you've built all these very expensive buildings that you'll have to buy and demolish or whatever. And Robert Moses totally turned it on its head. Anytime a new, a new project would come up to expand the subway or build any type of public transit, he would say no and fight it tooth and nail as much as possible. And indeed, many of the times that he would do something like build a new park or influence the, the creation or building of like a new freeway or something, people would come and say, yo, Robert, it would be super easy for us to build a train line on this bridge. Let's go ahead and do it. And he would say no, and he would block it. Robert Moses would also make it so that his projects were really cheap on the books. He would say like, oh my God, we can, we can go and we can buy all this land. We can make it super cheap to build a park. But then he would lowball that estimate. And when it came down to brass tacks, it would be something like 20 to 40% the total cost of the fucking park. And so the city would be on the hook because they'd say, oh, we've, we've, you know, we broke ground. We're going to start building this thing. And then they'd be like, yo, what the fuck? This thing is super fucking expensive. Like, Robert, what the fuck are you doing? And he'd be like, yo, man. You got to give me the money because if you don't give me the money, you're the guy who canceled the park and everyone likes parks and you don't want to be the guy who canceled the park. And so Robert Moses would get his parks it's tremendously, tremendously over budget, but it didn't matter because everyone wanted the parks. Right. And so he looks like the good guy for being like, oh, these these stupid assholes are trying to say that we can't build a park, but it's going to be super cheap. And then when it was shown to be way more expensive, it was, oh, look at these people. They think that we shouldn't spend money on this park. we got to build a park. Like, the parks are amazing. We need these parks in order to have, like, a good city here. And if you went against Robert Moses, the guy who built all the parks that everyone loved, you were the asshole. And so in his wake, Robert Moses displaced hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, entire families. The Brooklyn Queens Expressway that goes between the two boroughs that it's named after famously tilts left, right, left, right, north, south, east, west, and cuts up far more land than it actually needs to because he was deliberately cutting around and between black communities and white communities in order to create a wall that would keep them away from each other. He destroyed so many people's lives in so many locations. And so when a budding FDR, or wait, was it FDR? Oh, fuck. I, hold on, hold on. Let me think. FDR, 60s, uh, or was it 
or was it Theodore Roosevelt? I think it was, I think it was maybe, I think it was FDR. When, well, anyway, when, when, uh, one of the Roosevelt's was looking at, um, becoming president after being the governor of New York and seeing how well agglomeratizing power worked for the government of New York, it became sort of the de facto standard for the federal government. I think it was FDR. And so FDR went ahead and created this very institutionalized, centralized, bureaucratic, um, what we say goes form of governance, which has its pros and cons because of who is in the room when deciding these decisions. And of course, during this time, it was wealthy white people who had access to automobiles. And so many cities took pages out of what Robert Moses did to New York. They started bulldozing in between communities and communities of color and created mass networks of freeways to get white people in and out of the city core around and creating pollution for the communities of color that could not afford to leave the city and in many cases were legally not allowed to due to racial covenants and redlining. So Robert Moses is a true bastard in the sense of the word. He was a real asshole, and he created the fossil fuel dependence that America now has today. Uh, it's very funny because, you know, when the automobile was originally created and started entering cities, there were full-on riots and revolts. Many people actually went and tried to stop cars and automobiles from uh, being able to go too quickly in cities. There was a campaign to add speed governors which is a literal device that you would have to turn on in your vehicle if you're entering a city limit in order to slow it down so you couldn't go too fast and kill people on streets. Because streets were like the public domain. You know, you'd play ball, you'd drink tea, you'd hang out and drink coffee, you'd do whatever you want. But automobile manufacturers were like, there ain't no way people are going to buy our cars if we have to limit them to going 15 miles an hour on city streets so they won't hit kids. So we're going to invent the concept of jaywalking. And that's an automobile-created term. A J was an idiot from the South. And so they marketed that to North Northerners and said, oh, don't be an idiot who walks without looking. Don't be an idiot who walks without looking at the crosswalk or walks without a crosswalk. You have to obey the laws of the road. And they made jaywalking a crime by paying a shit ton of money to governments in and around this, or uh, in states and the federal government in order to make that a crime, to make walking across the street wherever you wanted a crime. So that's Robert Moses. He's a true bastard. Um, the nice, the only nice thing about Robert Moses is that he lived long enough to see the tell-all of how much of a fucking bastard, racist-ass piece of shit he was. Um, oh, wait. I'm sorry. I have to tell you the worst. One what, what of the most incredibly racist things he did. So he, uh, many of his uh, fans will be like, yo, Robert Moses, he wasn't actually that racist. I mean, he put this really nice park um, I think it was in Brooklyn, in a majority black neighborhood where it touches like a majority white neighborhood, right? And it's a, it's a great park. Everyone loves this park. It has tons of pools. Like, it's super cool. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Um, and it doesn't matter that if you look at the numbers, he built something like 400 parks. And a total of one of them was in a majority of color neighborhood. I, we can ignore that, okay? That park that he built uh, has tons of like, has like six swimming pools or something. Um, and... In all the swimming pools, there's like a theme, and some of the themes are like uh, octopus or like orca. And the theme for the swimming pool that's located closest to the black neighborhood is monkeys. There are fucking monkey statues in the pool next to the black neighborhood. So he was a real fucking sack of shit. And it brings me 
a slight bit of joy, the tiniest bit of joy, that the book that basically tells how much of a piece of shit he was came out while he was still alive. And he witnessed basically his decline. Um, people were like, yo, this guy's actually kind of not cool. He's not kind of this like wonderful park, like McDonald, Ronald McDonald guy who's like building parks for everyone. He's kind of just a racist asshole who like kind of destroyed a lot of people's lives and kind of destroyed a lot of the best parts of cities. And that was in part due to a lot of grassroots organizers, uh, such as Jane Jacobs, who made the case for not building a freeway straight through Greenwich Village, which is now seen as one of the most desirable places to live in New York. Um, so, you know, I guess the moral of the story is fuck freeways, fuck cars, fuck Robert Moses. What piece of shit he was. Stream of consciousness, you know what just drove by me? Big ass fucking Ford pickup truck, brand new. 2022 model, you knew it was in the fucking back. Goddamn nothing, just like God intended, in Jesus' name. Welcome back to the Bryce cast. Uh, we're now going to head into a, a new section that I like to call Bryce Reads Shit that he read online. Kachoo, kachoo, kachoo! Welcome to uh, Bryce Reads Shit that he found online. Uh, today we'll be reading a post from uh, the subreddit r slash hobby drama. For those who don't know, Hobby Drama is a subreddit where people who are embedded in different nerddoms around the world come to share and spill the tea of things that have happened within their specialties. Today we will be reading a essay by Aces the Second on ejection systems. What does this thing actually do? The background. In the military, there's no such thing as a regular old aircraft mechanic. The days of a pilot landing his fighter and being greeted by the sole mechanic who fixes the whole thing are long gone. Modern military aircraft are so complex that they require a multitude of different mechanical specialties to keep them in a flyable condition. There are fuel system mechanics, hydraulic mechanics, engine mechanics, avionics mechanics, and there's even a wheel and tire section. One of the smallest specialties are the ejection systems mechanics, commonly called egress. When I say small, I mean small. The Air Force doesn't have more than 1,200 egress troops around the world, and that number includes the reserves and Air National Guards. The reason is because the Air Force flies a lot of planes, but many don't have ejection systems. They're limited to fighters, bombers, and the U-2 spy plane for some reason. But it's the same reason that school buses don't have seatbelts. The bigger the aircraft, the more survivable the crash. Anyway, you have some specialties within the egress specialty. Egress troops are defined by the airframes they're qualified on. Some, like the A-10, are seen as easy to work. The others are in arguable order in terms of difficulty, but everyone can agree that one of the top three most difficult planes to maintain for our system is the F-16 Fighting Falcon. Hopefully you're all keeping up. I tend to ramble on a bit about my job. Now, part of the reason for the difficulty is because the F-16s the Air Force has purchased are flying way past their established service life. We're replacing parts that were never meant to be replaced. On top of all that, the Air Force has been upgrading the F-16 since the day the first one rolled off the assembly line in Fort Worth. Better avionics, more durable parts, all of it. On F-16 canopies, the polyurethane bubble the pilot looks through, the encompassing frame, there's a metal pin. It's made of steel, about half an inch long, pointing down on the very bottom of the canopy frame. It also has an internal spring, which means that when the canopy closes, the pin is pushed up into a recessed pocket in the frame. It sticks out just forward of the canopy locking handle. And in the early mid-2010s, I think around 2014 or so, nobody had a damn clue what it did. I mean, we all knew it was there, we just didn't know why. Why? 
It did absolutely nothing, as far as we could tell. It wasn't integral to the operation of the canopy. It just hit a metal disc on the frame, retracted in when the canopy closed, and popped back out when it was opened. Nobody had any idea what it was there for. But we had more important problems to deal with, and we were heavy believers in, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, we left it alone. Until we found a jet with the pin broken off. Missing items in a fighter plane cockpit are a huge fucking deal, TM. A tiny piece of metal in the wrong place can, and has, in the past, caused a multi-million dollar aircraft to crash. So when this pin was broken off, a search was immediately launched in the cockpit to try and find it. Everything was torn out. Magnets, boroscopes, handheld vacuum cleaners, every effort was made to try and find it. And then the supervision started asking the uncomfortable question, what is this thing we're looking for? Literally, no one had a clue. The most experienced mechanic had no idea. He asked our shop chief, who had been doing egress work for 16 years. He had no idea. He called literally every F-16 base in the world trying to find out what this pin did. Nobody had a damn clue why F-16s had this mysterious pin. The entire time this is happening, his phone is ringing off the hook. Senior NCOs want to know what this thing is. Now officers are calling to ask him. Our squadron commander showed up pissed because the colonel asked him what the pin did and he, quote, had to stand and explain that he had no idea like he's some sort of blind asshole leading a bunch of other blind assholes. Rule number one, don't make any of the commanders look stupid. Rule number two, don't under any circumstances break rule number one. While chaos is reigning, nobody has thought to ask the expert. Expert is a civilian who works in our shop. He retired from the Air Force in the late 90s and then came back to work as a civilian contractor because he liked the job. He's been working on planes longer than some of the other guys have been alive. He also does not concern himself with what is happening in the shop chief's office. He's there to work, not get involved with officers, whom he hates with a fiery passion. And he doesn't know what three NCOs are tearing through technical data in a valiant effort to figure out what the hell this damn pin is there for. Finally, someone realizes that the expert is actually there, happily and obliviously doing his own thing on a computer answering emails where one of the other guys is looking at an intact pin on another canopy. Said guy finally turns to the expert, the first guy to do so in the hours it's been since the whole ordeal started. Hey, expert. Expert lazily turns his chair, spitting a sunflower seed into a cup as he does so. He wipes his mouth on the collar of the work shirt he's been wearing every day since 1998. Yeah? Do you know what this pin is here for? Expert tilts his head to see the pin the NCO is pointing at. Oh, sure. Back in the early 80s, there used to be a sensor in the cockpit that turned on a light to tell the pilot that the canopy was fully down. That pin was the thing that used to activate it. It did? Yeah. He looks up in thought. They ditched it back in 84, I think. Replaced it with the sensors that light up when the hook's fully rotated. Then why is it still here? It's built into the frame. Can't be removed, Expert shrugged. They just plugged the hole where the sensor was and called it a day. Why do you ask? Four hours we'd been trying to figure it out. People around the world had been trying. Facebook messages had been sent to guys in Germany, Italy, South Korea, Japan, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Qatar, and nobody had ever thought to ask the expert because everyone just assumed that everyone else had. The search was called off after another hour. The missing pin was never found. 
Within 24 hours, we had engineer approval to take a pair of metal cutters to every F-16 on the ramp and sniff off all the pins. We hope you have enjoyed this reading of Ejection Systems. What does this thing actually do? Written by Aces the Second. Read by Brusimus Benjamin Koltansky the First. Is this is this the Claudia? Claudia, oh my God! Special guest Claudia on the Bright Cast. Hello! You are being recorded. I'm legally required to tell you that. Live for the Bryce cast, a beautiful series of podcasts that I am making for my dearly departed for Chicago, Tran Awesome Akambe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What can I say? What can I say? Uh, I'm very dateable and very cute, aren't I? Uh, you'll only hear positive words from me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, where, are you call- where are you calling from right now, Claudia? Um, I'm currently in a place called Troutsville. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to camp in a city park. And Asia looks at me and he's just like, I can't do it right now. And so we are now in a super eight. <laughs> we caved. We caved. We, we, we needed some indoor time. Um, you know, we've been, we are exposed as recycling a uh-huh. lot. Uh-huh. And we get a lot of stairs and sometimes we just want peace. So we, we are we are having our moment of peace. Yeah. Peace That's very understandable. Now, while, while you were talking, I, I went ahead and researched Troutville, Virginia um, in order to find some, some fun facts. And I think my most fun fact is, as three nearby houses were occupied by the brothers John, Jim, and George Trout, the area was called Troutville. Wow. I did not know that. It, there you go. I do know, okay, this is a fun fact, that somewhat nearby Troutville is where they filmed Dirty Dancing. Because the lady at the Super 8, like, desk told us that we passed it. Like, wherever they have their, like, uh-huh. Um And, like, have you ever watched Dirty Dancing? I have not watched Dirty Dancing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sure Tradoff has. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If neither of you have, I will be so disappointed, and that's why you're not excited. It's a classic. <laughs> Oh, I'm confident he knows, and he's shaking his head in the car right now. Babe, don't crash. Don't crash, babe. Don't, eyes on the road, babe. <laughs> well, what, uh, what, do, you ha- do, you have, do you have anything fun that you would like to share with our beautiful audience of, like, one, and occasionally the friends that have looked me up on Spotify at this point? Oh, gosh. Um, putting me on the spot here, Bryce. I know, I'm the worst. Um, I just, yeah, just, I hope he has, I, Tranos, I hope you have a safe and fun ride and you get that kind of peace of mind and clarity as you're driving. I know I needed that and that's why we've been biking. Um, yeah. Aww. <laughs> Aww, that's so yeah. sweet. I was literally just talking to him on the phone 
10 minutes before you called and then I hopped in the shower mm-hmm. and I was like, I hope you have some good podcasts lined up. So <laughs> I have, um, I have, I'm going to make at least four episodes. I know I can get enough content for that. And then I'm going to like drop them day by day by day. I have like, fake ads in everything. Like, well, I made an ad for his mom. Ah, it's super great. I'm oh, so- that's oh, oh, I can tell you a story. I can tell you a story that I have not told yet. Yes. On Instagram. Or yes. Okay, so it's a dog, it's a dog chase story <gasps> um, while we were in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So we're going and there's like this little valley dip and I see this dog and then we pass its driveway. So I'm thinking I'm safe because they're like far below and somehow this dog manages to climb up this massive hill and jumps in front of me uh-huh. and it's it's huge. like it's taller than me well it's at least like my chest level when i'm standing wow and it's growling at us and this little lady and her rocker is just cracking up about the fact that that dog is as big as a horse <gasps> and she doesn't get up and she doesn't do anything and it was absolutely terrifying She didn't do anything? That was very funny. Right, Adriel? She can't hear me, but it, it, she thought it was very funny. Wow. That's my story. That's awful. That's a experience, so. Well, what can yeah, I say? We like, I thought it, but the drivers are a little mean, so. Uh. At least Toronto's in Virginia, so it's okay. <laughs> well, what can I say? Mitch McConnell voters, am I right? Hey, look at that. How was Misery, by the way? Uh, it was good. We actually got some cool footage, but our camera hasn't been... We have a 360 camera. It needs to connect to an app. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it won't connect. So that's why we don't have a lot of footage. Mm-hmm. We were taking everything on this app. But uh, it was kind of crazy. So basically, you go down and then up these massive hills all day. Mm-hmm. And in the dip, there's these, like, five-foot markers because that's how high the water level rises when it rains hard. Whoa. And these people are special about it. They're like, oh, yeah, it will, like, flood in the dip. And then you just, like, wait an hour and you drive. And then this other girl was like, oh, yeah, like, our house floods huh? every rainy season. And it's, like, six feet in the basement. And we just have to, like, clean it up. Like, oh, how annoying. And I was just so confused. So I was like, why is this normal? What? And then we were telling our friend Joe, who's another cyclist about it, and he was like, oh, yeah, I worked with a lady, because he lives in St. Louis, Missouri, that lived in the area that flooded all the time. And what they did is they put their house on massive stilts, and then they would have to boat to their house. No. So, yeah, it was just like a very odd way of life. And I was just like, I'm very confused. Why is this happening? Wow about it and by the way as we're being told these stories it starts raining really really hard for like the the whole day and so as we had we had to go we had nowhere else to be and so we were going through all these dips and i was just terrified because i was like oh my gosh what if there's a flash flood yeah we were really lucky it It rained a lot and we were really soaked and the visibility was poor and we had to turn on all our lights 
and it wasn't like maybe the smartest decision, but it was the decision we made and we survived. And despite having thunderstorms in the forecast, um, we actually didn't get any thunderstorms that day. Wow. The forecasts are very, so it's kind of hard, right? Cause like they'll say there's a thunderstorm, there won't be, they say it's sunny, there'll be a thunderstorm. So it's just kind of hard if you're going to, you know, sit around and wait, you, it might not be necessary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Holy shit, though. That's crazy. Well, wow. how did, okay, here's my question. How did misery compare to Kansas? It was much prettier, I thought. Mm. Like, okay, think Kansas, it's pretty large state, and there's like this invisible line that you cross, and all of a sudden it does become, it goes from like flat, very brown, mm. slash farmland to like a windy kind of slow hill green tree land it's a little bit nicer and then as you go into missouri that lushness just increases so you get uh-huh. more trees and it's just it was a little bit prettier um so we liked it a lot that was where we got we did get some dog chases there on the west side um and then as you go further east, it's at least where we were, it's a little bit more well off. Uh huh. So you get that. But yeah, we had like a crew of maybe six or seven dogs chase Adriel. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> he did a really good job. I, I went away. I, I, yeah, Adriel's been joking that he's been dog chased this entire time. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow um that's amazing I, those those like slow windy hill roads like those are kind of my favorite to ride personally yeah you would like um you would like virginia that because we've been riding up a lot of there's a lot of climbing but the downhills are really fun they kind of are like windy but the drivers are sometimes mean, so yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hit or miss. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's amazing. How how far out are you? Are, you're not done yet, right? You have a couple, what, one more week or something? We will be done. We just calculated it. We think we'll be done on the 25th. And that's not a stretch. That's like, that will be comfortable. We can finish on the 25th. Wow. Yeah. Five more days. How does that fucking feel? Holy moly. Uh, feels so weird. Uh, Dana just asked me this over text. She's like, you must be so excited. And I was like, well, I kind of have mixed feelings. But I feel, I guess like the best way to describe it is I feel very ready to take on new goals. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like in my mind, I feel, I feel good. And I feel like I'm ready to kind of take on a lot of challenges we are put, put through a lot of stress <laughs> and i handle a lot of stress now do you i yeah. you know what i want to ask one last question and then i'll let you go <clears throat> excuse me what do you have like a a lesson that you have learned perhaps through this experience that you think you would want to share with your your good darling friend Tranos? I mean, there's like a couple things that we talked about that was taken away. Um, 
trying to figure out a good way to summarize, but I think one of them is that we really think that happiness comes from like having challenges and then doing everything you can to overcome them mm -hmm. and then celebrating staying in that celebration too long. It's like this constant, like, okay, what's next? I think there's a lot of joy that comes with that. Um, and I think also a lot of people we've talked to that really enjoy their work are like they own their, they're like a, their own boss. So they own their business or they own whatever. Like the people that we've talked to that have even gone into things that they're passionate about, they don't own it. They seem kind of like less into it mm -hmm. after some point. Kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of face anything, um, especially with the right person by your side. It can be helpful. Oh my God. That's so sweet, Claudia. So you're saying Is that, that you're, you're saying that Kranos and I need to do a cross-country bicycle trip now? That's what you're saying? That's what I'm hearing. Babe, do you hear that? I heard that, babe. Ooh. Uh, I will say, I don't know if it's for everyone. <laughs> but I got a, I, I do think, like, I want to do a lot more week-long cycle trips. Mm -hmm. um, want to, like, road trip back to some of the places that we've been to. Because we made some really, really beautiful connections. I think I've learned how to connect with people on a much deeper level on this trip too. Mm. Which was interesting. And maybe that's partially because we were like most of the time when we're riding on the bike, I kind of mentioned this early, we're pretty vulnerable to everything like the elements, the people. And we had so many people just approach us and like tell us their life story. And I wasn't really sure like how to handle that at first. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, got a little bit better as we've gone along I hope but uh, yeah there, there is something about putting yourself in vulnerable situations because you you learn a lot and you meet a lot of people you wouldn't expect so whether that is in the form of cycling um, or another form I think it's a good experience to have mm-hmm mm-hmm wow uh, well, Claudia, you, you sound like a decade wiser at this point, and those were all fucking excellent things to say. So thank you very much. I love this. Yeah. Uh, drive safe, Trino. Um, we all love you very much, clearly. Um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if we could get just one last round of applause for Claudia and Adriel. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fucking amazing. That's some good shit right there. That's some good shit. Well, this was the Brightcast talking to amazing Claudia. Thank you so much for your time, Claudia. And uh, safe travels on the yeah. last five days. Of course, anytime. All right. Goodbye. Bye. We're here on the street at, uh, what fucking street is this? Mercer and 10th. And I have accosted three random people whose names are? Jacob. Alston and Evan and I'm asking them what interesting things do you have to tell my boyfriend as he does the terrible trait of move away from me picture it Bellingham Washington circa 10 years ago a greasy spoon called the Horseshoe Cafe the longest running restaurant in Washington Oregon or Idaho has both the cafe and bar attached. I'm running the floor that night I'm the only person on working the entire cafe I've got the counter I've got the booths 
uh, my good bar- bartender friend Billy is working the bar all by her lonesome. It's too early for a uh, bar back to come on. So um, a, a gentleman shows up out of nowhere in a clear state of drunken distress, and he <laughs> is at my counter. Drunken stupor. Drunken stupor, really, by that point. You're not wrong. And, you know, does the I greet him, I get him some water, I realize he's too drunk to, to be here, really. Um, and, you know, he had shown up. The bar, this to, no favors to the cafe, would send their drunks over to the, to the cafe side to wait it out for a cab. This was pre-lift or, or sober up with some food or, or whatever else when they were cut off and done being served. So I'm like, oh, God, Billy's dumped another drunk on me. Here we go. This guy was way too drunk to order food. I mean, I'm not, I'm not cleaning barf off of my counter. It's not going to happen. So I tried to nudge this guy and say, you know, I'm sorry, sir. You're too drunk to be here. You, you got to get out of here and you need to be on your way. You know, we can get a cab for you all that moving along. And he just pauses, looks at me and yells, I only have one leg. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I, I didn't notice, but, um, you know, I, I guess under his uh, clothes, he had a prosthetic. Um, and I said, well, be that as it may, um, I need to get you out of here because, you know, you're, you're too drunk to be in this establishment. And, you know, it's, it's past the time to order food. We need, I only have one leg. I'm like, oh my god, what do I? You may be you may be disabled. You're also very drunk. Yes. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, we we need to get you out of here. Like, if I call a cab, can you? Oh no, I can't. I can't. I was like, well, I was like, you you need to go. You need to go. You can't be here. Um, So some time goes by. I check on my other tables. The situation has not gotten any better. And finally, I see that he's starting to get up and walk off on his own. I'm like, thank God. So, you know, I, I leave him to it. I go back to my other tips. And then I just hear this thud. And the guy hit the ground just like super hard to such a noise that my bartender now runs out from the bar. And it's like, oh, my God. And she like gets a chair and she's worried about like, is this guy injured? Like, oh did we God. did we overserve? You know, like what's going on? And we're, we're, you know, we get him a chair. He pulls himself back, pulls himself actually back to the counter just fine um, after his, you know, literal peg leg had fallen off. Um, so I'm like, and this is what I'm thinking. This was in the depths of the recession. And I'm thinking three majors, departmental <laughs> honors. <laughs> Extra credit, all the internships, and here I am. This is my life. This is what I've done with my life at this point. Um, Great choices all around. Um, And we we get them situated, but then I'm just like, Billy, what the fuck? Like, this guy is wasted. And she was like, yeah, was it those beers? I was like, no, those those beers were for my tables over there. Those were like four people. And I was like, you... And we slowly came to the realization... That he wasn't either of our customers. He just sort of wandered in when I had my back turned and plunked himself down at the counter. And then at that point, I'm like, well, shit. Like, none of us have, you know, any compelling reason to, you know. It's not our fault this guy's in this situation at this point. So we're like, dude, you really need to go. And it finally was like, I hate to do this. I hate to do this. I 
am gonna call 911 because we're gonna find somebody to help you get out of here. Professionals. You know, because I'm like, this is above my pay grade at this point. As was much of what I had to deal with there. And yeah, um, a police officer came, but just, and that was finally what did it, when the cop came in and the guy. Did you tell him cab or cop car? I called him, yes, that's, thank you. I was like, <laughs> please, cab or cop car, cab or cop car. No, I usually had to, I, you know, at this point, I was really hoping it would be like a paramedic or somebody, and not like, you know. But anyway, um, yeah, a cop showed up, and uh, just, just as the cop is opening the door, the guy pops his leg back on and gets out of there walks out of there he just walks out and the cops chase him down to try to offer him a ride or something and he's, uh-huh. he's just storming off in the alley by himself <laughs> I saw him disappear <laughs> into the shadows and that was that uh, my brother is currently temporarily crippled because he was blackout drunk and ran down an escalator oh, and God. then broke his foot oh, no it, that'll do it it's more funny than sad and he's in New York right now I'm sure getting wasted out of his mind and I see that plus, happening. Plus the painkillers. Yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see that happen. <laughs> yes. So, well, thank anyway. you so much for your story. You're very well. Of course. Thank you for being a part of the Bryce cast. I hope the Bryce cast goes well. One of my favorite things about car culture is the idea that you can just, like, put on your flashers. You know, you get the, the doubles. And they're just like, boop, boop, boop. And you can just park anywhere. And, and you can just, you can be in the middle of the road. And somehow that makes it all okay. They are the, I'm breaking all the rules lights, and you're going to let me lights. It's just a button, and it comes with every vehicle. It's really cool. And so it, it doesn't matter if you're blocking the sidewalk, or a full lane of travel, or if you're in a parking spot. Like, it doesn't matter. You can just do it. I love that. You know, it's, it's cool that that is a standard feature. The, I am better than you, and I'm taking up this space button. Well, we've come to uh, another end of a, a beautiful episode of the Bryce cast. Uh, we, we had wonderful times. Wait, which episode is this going on? Uh, we we talked to Golub. We uh, heard a, a sponsor ad from Alcohol. Uh, we learned about Robert Moses and ejection systems. And then good old Claude's bombed us with a second special guest appearance. Uh, and we also had Bryce on the street. And, uh, 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 I'm drunk and I miss you. Yeah. That's what the song says. Uh, so, um, I love you. Sweet dreams. And, uh, I hope everything's going great. Um, mwah. Bye.